Rabbi David Walkenfeld. Shalom and welcome to the Straw Hat. We are the official podcast of Achi Shalom B'nai Israel Congregation, an Orthodox synagogue in the beautiful Lakeview neighborhood of Chicago, Illinois. This past week and going forward, we're actually kind of a Zoom Orthodox synagogue happening virtually due to the spread of the coronavirus and our concerns for everyone's health and safety. Um, But somehow we managed to throw together a podcast episode anyways for you. So we really hope you enjoy. It'll have two main discussion areas. First, we'll just be talking about what's happening with the show now that we've sort of moved all into digital um, and how we're still managing to support each other and show up for each other despite all of the social distancing requirements by the state and that as recommended by healthcare professionals. Secondly, we'll be talking about Pesach because the Jewish calendar marches forward no matter what else is happening in the world. And it's in many ways a source of stability for us, um, even though it feels a little bit overwhelming right now. So we will be talking about Pesach and preparing for it. And uh, particularly, we'll have a discussion about boiling to kosher your utensils at home, because many people come and do that at the shul normally. Um, And we're not offering that this year, but you can do it at home. And it's great. I hope you enjoy. So it's a weird time right now. It is a weird time right now. We're recording this on uh, Sunday, March 22nd, which is nine days since the shul was shut down. Uh, and uh, I guess three days since the state was shut down by <laughs> order of the governor, um, or the governor announced uh, the shutdown of the state. And here we are. Uh, we're recording, let's explain how we're recording this. We're not in Shlansky Studios. We're recording this, I guess you are, right? You're in, you're in Shlansky. I collecting the for- into your office, okay. To do some essential work uh, earlier on behalf of uh, the Chesed Committee. And then you snuck into your office to, to access your computer. And I, I'm at home, so we, we're um, practicing good social distancing. I feel, um, you know, inspired by David Lichtenstein, my, my the great uh, low production value uh, Jewish podcast. And I don't know how to stop my computer from from dinging. So you can prove that this is an authentic uh, authentic experience. Okay, um, so. The shul is, is building a shutdown, but the shul is still continuing in various ways. Let's sort of just go through for our listeners, uh, those who are here in Lakeview, just to remind everyone of how the shul is continuing to be a resource for folks, trying to support folks. And then it's for those who are listening, uh, wherever you may be, just uh, to know that, that Jewish life is continuing, our shul is continuing, and hopefully uh, your shul, wherever you are, is, is trying to do similar things. Um, so we just list a few, uh, few things. Yeah, so the most impressive mobilization so far, I think, has been the Chassid Committee. Just extraordinary outpouring of support from people who weren't involved even in the committee before um, and directed very ably by, thank God, Rabbi Sarah Walkenfeld and Linda Seeger. Um, so the, the Chassid Committee is divided into teams um, that are doing all sorts of different work, people who are making phone calls and checking up on people, people who are buying food and depositing it in a joint location that then gets picked up and delivered as needed. Um, We're about to kick off a program for like um, shared interest groups for people who want to talk about what's in the grocery store or people who want to play board games remotely or things like that uh, to kind of make sure people don't feel lonely in this. Yeah, and we've also like raised a lot of money that's available again for, for subsidizing some of these purchases of food for people who can't get shopping. And then we, we anticipate and have already begun to see some people in financial distress, right? As uh, economic life in the world has come to a halt, uh, there are people who are going to feel that sooner rather than later, and we're going to try to give them some support uh, in the meantime. And, and it's been a really outflow, like uh, tens of thousands of dollars have come into the shul for this purpose in the last week. So so that is is really um, a very moving and inspiring, and people should just hear this and, and are 
have an acute need should let us know, right? It's uh, that that's what it's for, and 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 in the meantime, we're using it for these these chesed needs, right? We're not. Uh, uh, spending a lot of money on kiddush right now <laughs> for you know, there is no kiddush. Uh, that's a big expense usually for Eshel. Instead, we're, we're we're sending food out to people who need it, who can't, who for whom it's not safe to go shopping, which is really our our, our uh, I don't want to say elderly population because people who are relatively young and healthy and vigorous and in the normal course of things are working very full and living very full uh, lives. It's really not safe for for people like that to be out and about. It's really not safe for anyone to be out and about, but uh, especially for those who are sixty and older, sixty five and older, um, really should not be uh, shopping. And and, and anyone who's compromised, which is a lot of people, a lot of people with like classic Jewish diseases that don't get in the way of their regular lives, are really scared. Correct. So every short email, I think, in the last uh, week and a half has included information on how to join the Chesed Committee, how to join one of those teams and uh, get recruited. So please uh, seek that out. If you have any difficulty, you can reach out to Sarah directly or to me and we'll uh, either one of us can refer you uh, to, to join one of those teams and constantly in need of new members. Uh, what else is going on? We have um, every weekday morning a gathering to learn Mishnah together. Uh, we do this uh, to commemorate and elevate the nishamot of those for whom we would otherwise be mourning and saying Kaddish. The letters of Mishnah and the letters of Nishama are the same. Uh, that's an old tradition that learning Mishnah is a way to give honor to the nishamot of our duly departed. And uh, the Mishnah as the, the the core element of the Torah Peh, the oral Torah, also in some ways I think symbolizes very much a nishama. Right, that it's a it's just spirit without body, and that the oral Torah is just spirit without without written form, at least initially. And so it's been very fitting and very very ancient to study Mishnah to commemorate the dead. And so we gather and we. We mention the names of those in our Kaddish list. People mention the names of those for whom they're observing Yarkside or for whom they're we're remembering that day. People who are uh, diving for somebody sick have a chance to mention those names as well. And then we uh, we learn a Mishnah. So we're going through the Mishnah of Shabbat, uh, corresponding to our Daf Yomi learning. And that's that's been really, uh, like a, I've found it very, uh, like an anchoring way to start my day uh, and a very moving way to start. And I think today is my my great-grandfather's yard site. So I'm very happy to be able to learn some Mishnah and, and uh Everyone who listens is welcome to join. Information again about that is also shared in every shul uh, email on our asbi.org slash updates uh, special website also has information on that. And importantly, Zoom can be accessed. Not the, One of the reasons why we like Zoom is that you don't need necessarily a computer with a camera and whatever. Zoom can be accessed also by phone. So if you need help figuring out how to do that um, with call-ins and things like that, we can be in touch. We can help you set that up. Um, and our education um, programming is more or less going on, surprisingly, as, as usual, or even ramped up. We had an extra Torah on tablets class last week. Um, one of the you know small benefits of all this remote learning is that we can bring people in from who don't live in Lakeview anymore. So we had Talia Arvid-Winkler uh, come in and teach a class last Thursday night. Um, but we have be almost every day this week, at least... Um, I can think of at least Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, um, where we have classes going on at the shul. Um, so join for that. It's a great thing to do. It's a great way to also like be interactive with other people through learning in a way that feels really meaningful. The Anshi Shul and Dafiumi WhatsApp group has been organizing kind of daily learning opportunities. And I know for me, that's been just really nice, like Put down the news for a minute, focus on something different. It really, for me, it's been very anxiety relieving to learn. So, yeah, that's that's been. I, I, I'm very like, proud of myself that I've also kept up with the DAF. Um, I'm not able to learn when, when you guys do in the early afternoon, but I've uh, gathered a few folks at 6 15 in the morning, 
um, in the last couple of days last week, and that's that's been great. And so really multiple opportunities to join together with some others who learn the DAF and, and other other things, and really great. We also had um, pre and post Shabbat uh, Zoom gatherings, which have been a lot of fun. Words of Divrei uh, Torah and singing and some dancing and and just really like fun just to see friendly faces, adults and children on your screen, uh, people, you, it's just, it's really nice to like, to remember that even though we've been very isolated, like life exists outside the walls of our home and the same people who, you know, smiled at us in shul are still there to smile at us uh, through a computer screen. So that's also been really great. Yeah. And then another thing that we've, we've tried out last week on Wednesday, we had a wonderful gathering, just like a mental health space facilitated by one of the many talented uh, mental health professionals in our shawl. And a really great number of people came. Um, and I think everyone found it really helpful just to check in and, and talk kind of in a real way about how hard this has been and lonely and, and scary. Um, and we did some mindfulness at the end, which was really fabulous, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, there's another one specifically geared towards parents coming up. I guess if this comes out on Wednesday, then it's coming up tonight. Um, and I really recommend it's just like a way to talk to people who aren't your immediate family. I think can be and, and, and in a way that's like facilitated and whatever it can be very, very helpful. Right. And so one final um, sort of uh, way the shul is operating uh, in these times that I, I wanted to just mention, this is an idea that emerged from uh, a member of the Chesed committee to have uh, like window signs, okay, to say like Shabbat Shalom, put them in your window. And then it gives you like something to look for as you walk around our neighborhood on Shabbat afternoon. Everyone seems to be recommending leaving your home even when otherwise uh, trying to maintain isolation so that you get some fresh air and some exercise. You can be outdoors and still stay six feet away from people who are not in your household. You can arrange to meet a friend to take a walk together. And as you walk around Lakeview, you can see the homes of uh, shul members. People are putting signs in their windows saying Shabbat Shalom. And, and it's, it's been a fun uh, way to motivate our children to get out and, and walk and look around. It's a little chilly uh, this past Shabbat, hopefully maybe warmer weather next Shabbat. Maybe more people have time to put these signs up on their doors or in their windows. And uh, I think it's again a really fun way to um, get everyone out, outside and, and remind each one of us about each other's continued existence, that the community exists and we can see evidence of that even when we're not able to all gather together. Yeah, Ethan and I discovered a City of Chicago landmark actually on our Shabbat walk this week. Which so is? that's like another fun thing that you can do even to look up in advance landmarks that are in our own neighborhood that we just never walked in that particular like side street before and found this a private home that continues to be a private home that was built um i forget when exactly by like brewers and it's humongous and we thought it was a church and then it turned out that it was built as a private home and continues to be um and um yeah so there's just like cool stuff in the neighborhood that they, on walks that you can kind of enjoy and exploring Great, great. So just a sort of final message before we're going to talk about Pesach in a bit, but just wanted to just emphasize, you know, everyone is hopefully hunkering down and, and staying safe, keeping themselves safe and also keeping uh, others safe, right? It really, you know, some of us feel the risk more acutely. Some of us maybe don't feel the risk as acutely because uh, we're relatively young and healthy. But uh, first of all, even young and healthy people can really be hit hard by this disease. And second, there are people who, um, if they're hit hard, will be in a much more vulnerable situation. We're staying healthy so we don't spread this disease to them. I think there's something very heroic about that, really very, like, very, just heroic, right? Like we're um, like limiting our lives in really significant ways to some of us to keep ourselves safe, but also to keep uh, others safe, to keep the entire community safe. Um, and uh, if you do get sick, 
uh, that's also okay. And, and, and really, um, like you shouldn't feel any stigma, shouldn't feel any need to keep it private. Um, like I, I would encourage people to just be really open about their own um, health because um, like I think, I was talking about myself, like as people in my cl closer and closer circle um, became sick with COVID-19, it became much more real for me and helped motivate me to practice the appropriate like safety measures to protect uh, my family and protect the community. And so I just, if you get sick, like let people know so that, um, they can take proper precautions. They can be inspired by your example. Oh, like this is real. Okay. Like I think there's something it, it's going to feels a lot more real when we know people who've been impacted. And so if you have the ability to make this real for someone else, unfortunately by getting sick yourself, just like, I think let people know. Uh, and it's just, that's like really great. Um, and the other, public health. Hmm? Yeah. And, 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 and not just like for public health reasons, but also because like we want to dive in for you. Like yeah. this is a serious thing. And what we do for each other when, you know, people are sick is we check in and we keep you in mind and we believe in divine intervention. And um, so if you let us know, then then the community can really mobilize in that way. Um, I know, I know, like when, when there was illness in my family in the past, like knowing that so many people were keeping us in mind, like it really helped. Um, it helped just our like state of mind. Um, and obviously, like on a spiritual level, um, in all sorts of ways. So that that's just something we can offer too. Indeed, indeed. Should we talk about Pesach? Yes. Okay. Pesach is still coming. Uh, there have been, a lot, despite the requests, uh, no Adosheni, it seems, and uh, no Pesach Sheni. Uh, we're going to have to celebrate in the real day of Pesach. Uh, and that's, this is a really um, unusual, uncomfortable way to celebrate Pesach. Pesach is all about the intergenerational sharing of a story about families coming together around good food, around grandparents and grandchildren and friends and neighbors and space the table for everyone and Eliyahu Navi and whoever, you know, takes Eliyahu Navi's seat that particular year, just like just opening our doors. And in order to keep everyone safe, we really need to keep our doors shut and, and stay um, with our households uh, this year. Um, I think public health experts are pretty explicit and unanimous in offering that advice. And I think, uh, the Jewish perspective is to take those types of guidance, that type of guidance really, really seriously. Um, and that's going to lead us for Pesach that might be like really like another, like no other Pesach we've experienced. And hopefully like no other Pesach we'll have to experience ever again, but we uh, will need to do it for this year. And the shul has begun to mobilize to help people do that, to celebrate Pesach in a way uh, that you never didn't think you would have to, uh, and hopefully we'll never have to again. So let's sort of like just go through like what what, what are we? We sent out some documents we saw over on Friday. Uh, if you haven't yet read them, go back and read them. We have a site on our website asvi.org/pesach. I believe is the site where you can find all of the this information. Um, uh, let's sort of go through what are, what are we offering this year. We have. Um, so every year we offer our laws and customs document. This year we updated it particularly. Um, just to reflect like what tefillah will look like over Pesach. And then also that we're not having shul boilathons this year. We couldn't figure out how to do those in a way that would be safe given what we know about this virus. Um, so we have much more expanded guidance there about how to um, kosher, how to um, how to take your regular, it, for things that you can uh, kosher in any way, how to do that at home. Yeah, yeah. So I think like the, the, and you can all read those documents and get those documents. And if you have questions after reading those documents, circle back to us or wherever you are, ask your local Orthodox whomever for guidance, or if you, uh, wherever you live, um, after reading those documents, I'd say like sort of like, like the, from 30,000 feet, I think the main 
um, advice that we're trying to offer is like pare down and focus on basics. And uh, this is a year to avail yourself of um, like leniencies that are exist in halakha that you might not want to avail yourself of in under ideal circumstances. Most particularly, maybe in a normal year, your kitchen gets entirely or mostly converted for kosher le pesach, cooking and food preparation. That's really not necessary. Uh, you need enough of your kitchen to be um, prepared for kosher le pesach cooking, just enough to make the food that you are going to eat or the members of your house that are going to eat. If you live alone and you know, you, you know how much you're going to need to eat and cook over the course of Pesach, so that's how much of your kitchen needs to be kosher le pesach. You can take your you know, your chametz regular items and just close them up in your cabinets and clear off a corner of your counter and that's you kosher and that's what you do all your Pesach food preparation and the rest is just sealed off and you sell it. If you've been strict in the past about not selling chametz over Pesach or only selling certain types of non-Pesach foods um, before Pesach, like this is the year, like this is what Mikhail chametz was for, okay? This is a type of emergency situation for which the this institution, Mikhail um, chametz uh, selling chametz to a Gentile, was created for, and avail yourself of that option uh, a year like this one. And, and you know, the document, the shul forms are already live and we're receiving submissions and like sell your chametz. You can stockpile uh, as, as everyone's doing or as you feel is going to be useful and prudent and then just sell. Sell your chametz and just, you know, one shelf of your refrigerator, you know, is all you need to have for Pesach. Maybe one corner of your kitchen is all you need for Pesach and then focus and from there you can build outwards. Obviously, you know, do more if you have time for more, if you have the energy for more, if you'll need to cook more for your, the needs of your household, so do so. But um, this doesn't have to be the year where you do your normal, like, entire transformation of your kitchen if that's not uh, going to be the type of Pesach that you're going to need to cook for and eat for. Yeah, so to facilitate that, we created a second document, which is called the Minimalist Guide to Passover and the Seder. Um, and that guide is, tries to outline, like, really, what does it look like to only do, you know, this much of your fridge, this much of your counter, this much of your sink. Um, if you've never, ever made Passover at home before, it'll it has a list of kind of, here's the basic things, one burner, one pot, one set of knives, forks, spoons, kind of that, that level of guidance. Um, so I would definitely um, check out that document or share it to people who are very anxious because they've always gone to their parents or they always go to their children or whatever for Passover. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the document's there. If you read it and you have questions, follow up with us. We have enough days before Pesach. You can send us an email. We'll get back to you or call and text. We'll get back to you uh, and we'll work this out. Okay. Like I understand like this is really a, this is a big challenge for people. And this is a, this is really sad. It's sad for parents and grandparents who will be alone and not with their children and grandchildren. It's sad for young people who won't be with their parents and grandparents and will otherwise be alone. That, that's a sad, sad um, situation. It's not how Pesach was, was meant to be. It's not how Pesach should be, but it seems to be how Pesach has to be this year. And again, I think it's a very heroic um, dynamic, um, but uh, spending Pesach by yourself is really not the most tragic possible outcome. And we're doing this in order to avoid much, much more tragic outcomes. And, and so uh, really encourage everyone to get on, get, you know, get sort of uh, muster the courage to kind of take this on. And um, and we're here to support you as you do that. Uh, we're also um, organizing subsidized meals, right? You can, the Seder to go um, is something that the shul is offering together with uh, Zelda's catering. And again, that information was also widely shared. I think other congregations across the world are doing similar uh, things. And, and like, don't feel you have to cook it all yourself. Um, if you're able to 
um, have had outside food, catered food do so, and that's subsidized as well for those who need that financial help to make that possible. But like, we're all going to get through this together, just separately, okay? Not together. Normally, we get through this together by opening our homes. Uh, today, we're getting through it together, opening our hearts and just sharing our sympathy and our compassion with those who have to be alone and, uh, and, and offering that, that encouragement to those who are doing so. And listen, like also it's a three-day yantiv at the beginning of Pesach, which is a long time. And if you are like really worried about your mental health status to get through that, mental health is a serious thing too, come and talk to us about it. Um, we can help you navigate strategies or maybe there's other, other ways to do things that will work better for you. So really like reach out individually um, if that is something that you feel like will, will be an issue for you. Just yeah, worth I, mean, I, I want to say that's always true for every piece of religious guidance that of course. Any, of us, any rabbi, whatever anyone says, like if you have individual circumstances where that makes this advice uh, not the right advice for you, so reach out and we'll figure out a strategy that is ideal for you and we'll work that out. That's like sort of always true, especially under these really emergency situations, these new situations where we'll get through it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I did just want to talk about this one piece um, of kosher, to go back to koshering um, utensils, because yeah. it's a little bit complicated. There's some utensils you can kosher, some utensils you cannot kosher. Um, so I, and we, we do try and spell it out um, in the laws and customs document, but I thought we could just talk about it a little bit. So uh, do you want to give like a, a general like uh, Torah overview to how this works? Sure. The general Torah overview is that the um, way kashrut is observed by rabbinic Jews, um, Orthodox Jews among them, uh, that is different from what you might intuit just by reading the Torah for yourself, is that we are concerned not just about um, non-kosher foods, but we're also concerned about the taste of non-kosher foods that get absorbed into pots and pans and forks, knives, spoons, and then is after being absorbed, can be imparted into things that are subsequently cooked. Uh, this is hard for us to understand because most of our modern alloys don't really do this in a perceptual way, but if you cook something in a cast iron pan, the next thing you cook in that cast iron pan will taste like that prior thing. Uh, like it, it is a thing that exists in physics, in nature, in chemistry, whatever it exists. You can sense it if you use a cast iron, like a pre-modern alloy, like iron, okay? Uh, if you cook something on a wood, uh, cut an onion on a wooden cutting board, and then you cut an apple, that apple will taste like onion, okay? Uh, I said, so- Even with modern steel, stuff, the Tupperware I grew up with, if you had tomato sauce in there, it was pink for life. Correct, 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 exactly. So there is, so there is, so we do perceive somewhat in some of our uh, materials, we do perceive this, um, Belia and this absorption into the walls of things. And that's a major concern for kashrut in general throughout the year and especially on Pesach. So um, the rabbis understood that the same mechanism by which something could be absorbed, so too it's expunged, okay? So that means that if a utensil is used uh, in, it, 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 when, when cooks with it, it's used in a boiling kind of fashion. Uh, it, uh, the cooking is with me, um, using a liquid medium of one kind or another, then whatever taste is absorbed can be expunged also through a liquid medium. So a pot or any type of um, a ladle or a spoon that, that goes into liquids as part of that cooking process, the way to kosher it is to put it into boiling water, immerse it into boiling water. Uh, if it's too big to be immersed itself, you can boil water inside the pot and then you just put a, like a rock in or something or some other item into the pot and then the water overflows just a little bit and then that's how you get the outside of the pot also um, just momentarily um, in contact with boiling water. When that happens, that absorbed taste, that hummus taste is expunged from the walls of the pot and then it will not get reabsorbed in a way that would be problematic for Pesach because it hasn't been used for 24 hours. Uh, and, uh, and then that pot 
is kosher for Pesach, and then you can use it again for uh, immersing your silverware and your, your I don't know, your, your kiddush cup, uh, anything of that sort. Um, but it can't be used for koshering things that are used uh, to cook without a liquid medium. So a classic example, baking sheet or a skewer, something which is um, used as part of the cooking process, but it's in direct contact with food without any liquid uh, medium as well. Um, maybe a nonstick frying pan would also might be in that category. Like a regular frying pan, you put water or oil or something on the bottom that may count as a liquid medium, but a frying pan that's used uh, without a liquid medium because it has a nonstick coating, that would be something else you couldn't kosher through immersion and boiling. And there are ways to kosher such things um, at extreme high heats with a blowtorch or an oven at very high heats. It, it, it might not be, this might not be the year to do that, um, but yeah. reach out if, if it's really important. But generally like baking sheets and skewers can't be koshered. Uh, nonstick frying pans can't be koshered. We also don't kosher things that have lots of like very intricate um, joints, I'd say, and, and, and crevices. And Cracks, yeah. Yeah, so that could be um, like something made of metal but with multiple pieces that are screwed together where there's a seam where you really can't get it perfectly clean uh, or it could also be something cracked like... Um, a lot uh, of plastics, like they yeah. just end up with cracks in them or it's like pieces put together. Like oh, someone asked me today about a, a food processor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, our food processor, like just, you know, plastic is very durable, but not not without wear and tear. And you see those cracks, they can't really be uh, quite as clean as you would want for Pesach. So so those probably shouldn't be kosher through immersion. Uh, and the other, the other main thing, um, so there's different kinds of materials, obviously. Um, earthenware or like ceramics, we yeah. do not kosher. Right. Um, so that means that like, yes, you don't have Pesach plates at home. So what we would recommend is either getting some new ones or um, just use for Pesach, get, you can get very few of them, um, or um, just using plastic for Pesach. Some people do that, not the most environmental option, but again, it's a very strange year. And uh, remember that you're not flying somewhere, so that could be like your offset for your plates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everyone <laughs> staying home is like a major environmental advantage. You can splurge on some plastic uh, Pesach uh, plates. Uh, look, you can get plastic plates that you reuse from year to year. It's, it's, not, it's not a terrible thing to invest in some Pesach plates. And even maybe one, one year you'll be able to invest in really beautiful Pesach china, but you still might want to have a few plastic Pesach dishes to use for breakfast, okay? Like that, that's fine, right? It's really okay to have, you know, to invest in some Pesach things that you keep in the box in the bottom of your closet. That's really uh, not a bad thing. The other thing that, that can't really be koshered is glass that you use for hot things. Um, so if you have glass cups or teacups or something like that, so we would say not, not to kosher those. Correct, correct. But uh, glass that you use for juice uh, really is, is fine. Um, growing up, we used... Um, old yardside candle uh, containers for glasses. I think some people hear that and think that's really creepy. Other people hear that and think, and this is what we did also. Uh, you should maybe ask, ask your father, maybe see what he, if he's done research on this. Um, I, in my life, I've encountered people who think that's like, people have very, very polarized feelings towards this. Of either that's really creepy, or yes, of course, that's how all our juice glasses are repurposed yardside candle um, glasses. So. Fascinating. Fascinating. I guess you're in the creepy camp. <laughs> Uh, maybe I don't know. Okay, <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> don't judge me. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not judging you. It's very environmental. Like, what do I do with my used yardstick candle? You know, I, don't know. I, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I'll, I know now. I should give them to you. That's really right. <laughs> no, because Sarah isn't camp creepy, so she doesn't like using them for this. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs>
Um, good to know. Um, so anyways, so for metals and um, hard plastics that are not going to melt, um, importantly, um, you can really do it at home. I know it's much more convenient to come to a show boilathon. I have to say, never um, growing up, we always koshered at home. It was like always a big to do. Um, my father like loved the the like show and tell of it. Like he would have us come, but we had to stay far away. And then mm. poof, then the pot bubbles over, and you put a rock in, and that, and like. It was a very like oh, like exciting kind of memorable part of preparing for Pesach every year as a kid. I was watching my father doing the koshering, um, and then um, but last, so I'd never gone to a big kosher like boilathon thing until last year. Um, I have to say it's very it's obviously very convenient, and hopefully you know next year we will once again host uh, boilathons and put our shul cauldrons to work. But um, but you can do it at home. Yeah, did it for many years. It can be done. I, I can testify. It definitely, definitely can be done at home. And again, call us if you have questions. Call us if you have help. And one of the reasons, one of the advantages of having it at shul is that one of us has been on hand to um, assist with the immersion, but you know, with the big lobster gloves, but also to answer questions about can this or can this not be koshered. So call us and ask us. I guess the only other important thing: you should rinse it under cold water. That's also important, right? You want to rinse it under cold water after you take it out, so that the just to help not have the taste be reabsorbed, you rinse it in cold water uh, after you take it out of the boiling pot. That's, that's an important step as well. So, but that can all be done at home. Yeah. All right. Great. So hopefully, you know, again, just to reiterate, people should definitely um, be in touch with us with questions. And we know how hard this is and we know how overwhelming it is. I think what I personally do to deal with things that seem really overwhelming is make myself like a calendar, like a to-do list that maps onto a calendar. So then I can say, I know exactly how many days there are until Pesach. I know exactly what I need to do. And here's how I'm going to do it in like bite-sized amounts every day. Um, and that really um, helps. I know also you might say, oh, it's not Pesach unless I have this specific food. And sometimes uh, there are certain food items right now that are not so straightforward to get. And I think that's another piece that's um, that could be hard. But also like most foods can be replaced with other foods um and um you know if you can't if you can't find something that you feel like is essential for some reason be in touch with us um and we can we can try and help you brainstorm um oh and also on thursday night there's a q a with rabbi wolfenfeld about any questions you have about pisach already now um and we'll make sure to continue to do those as we get closer and and more questions come up in your preparation right the advantage of having it earlier is that if i don't know the answer i can have time to research it right <laughs> whereas if it's a closer to pesach uh, you're 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 more likely to be out of luck if I don't know the answer offhand. So uh, ask questions sooner, as soon as you have them, ask them so that I can research if I need to. Yeah. Okay. So everyone stay strong. Call your neighbors if you, you know, haven't seen someone in a while. If you miss smiling at someone in Shul, reach out to them. Um, the Shul directory is available to all members via the website. You just need to log in and really like just be in touch with people. It's really, uh, really important. Uh, you know, those same people who get a smile from you every week in Shul, they still want that smile from you. You want it back from them. So I think that's like yeah, one of the yeah, most important the, things everyone can do. Be gentle with yourself. I think everyone responds differently. I, I definitely, you know, I, one of our children is a little bit more introverted and he admitted that uh, I think the hardest part for him is that he has to share the apartment with the rest of us. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, I think that everyone responds differently and uh, different things will be different hard for different people and just try to be patient and kind to yourself and to those you share a home with and those you interact with in all sorts of ways and 
And uh, slowly, slowly, day by day, we'll get through this. And I think we'll be a lot stronger afterwards. And it'll be so joyful to come back together in, 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 like, in real life uh, after, after this is over. Yeah, can't wait. All right, take care. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Straw Hat. As always, thank you so much to our producer, Haley Leventhal. Um, the podcast stands strong through uh, thick and thin, even in pandemics, apparently. And, and thank you to Haley for, for figuring out how we can make this happen. Uh, we haven't missed an episode in a year, and I guess we don't plan to come pandemics or high water or whatever. If you like what you hear, as always, please feel free to send us a note, an email, a voice note. We love hearing from you. And if you didn't like what you had to hear, you can throw that into your boiling pot of water that you're using to kosher your Pesach utensils. Um, Have a wonderful week. Take care of yourselves, everyone. We miss you.